Pod people. I'm DA and welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us and happy 2023. It's one of our favorite times of the year when Black History Month and Valentine's season intersect to create an entire month focused on love and blackness. And as the GOP and the demagogues and extremists in our country continue in their crusade to erase black history, it is my pleasure to bring to you the extraordinary stories of our ancestors and the ways in which they showed love even when they were faced with immeasurable cruelty. So in this special episode, we bring you the story of Irish Schnell and Charles Butler. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, and follow us on Twitter, or what's left of it, to be a part of the discussion. You can also email us your questions and comments at millennialedition1 at gmail.com. Okay, so let's dive right in. Whenever a friend tells me a horror story about a date or an encounter with a partner, or usually by the time that the story makes it to me, a former partner, I often wonder if the millennial generation will ever find the balance or become better at matters of the heart. In researching this extraordinary couple, I found myself wondering, what ultimately would I give up to be with the person I truly loved? Eleanor Butler, or Irish Nell as history calls her, was said to be born around the year 1665. Nell was a free white Irish woman who is said to have immigrated to America, specifically the colony of Maryland, at the age of 16 in 1681. She became the indentured servant of Charles Calvert, the third Lord Baltimore. And if you are new to the podcast, we like to start out with some definitions so that we are all on the same page. Dictionary.com provides the simplest explanation for what an indentured servant is, and they state that an indentured servant is, in quote, a person under contract to work for another person for a definite period of time, usually without pay, but in exchange for free passage to a new country. Generally, indentured servants included redemptioners, which is like another form of an indentured servant, except they first would just come over to America and then sign a contract to be an indentured servant, victims of religious or political persecution, persons kidnapped for this purpose, and convicts and paupers, end quote. USHistory.org provides a little more insight into the system that was set up to receive indentured servants. They explain that an extraordinary amount of human labor was needed to run the plantations in the 1600s, and the colonies did not have the modern equipment to aid them in the planting, harvesting, and cultivation of crops. In fact, they argue that in some colonies during this time period, slave owners preferred the system of obtaining indentured servants because there were a lot of incentives for doing so. 
And in Virginia and Maryland, where Nell landed in 1681, they set up what is known as the headright system. Essentially, the headright system stated that for every indentured servant the slave owner was able to bring to the colonies, they were rewarded with 50 acres of land. So essentially, slave owners were given more land, which increased their wealth exponentially by the exploitation of labor. Because that is what it was. Exploitation. Now, indentured servants were allowed to come to the U.S. and given room, board, and food. And as ushistory.org explains, the contracts typically lasted from five to seven years, whereas once a servant completed their contract, they could receive what is known as freedom dues, which is like a bonus. The bonus could range from land, money, a gun, because, you know, America, clothes, or food. However, very rarely were indentured servants awarded this. Female indentured servants were repeatedly subjected to sexual harassment and violence by the slave owners. USHistory.org claims that during that time period, only 40% of all indentured servants survived until the end of their contract, which means 60% died before coming to the end to receive that bonus. Slave owners would always find ways to tack on years of more service, which was commonplace, especially for female servants once they became pregnant. And if you were one of the lucky 40% who made it to the end of your contract, you really could not count on obtaining a land bonus as all of the slave owners owned it already. Remember, they were incentivized to obtain indentured servants and rewarded with more land. So I hone in on this important fact of our history because in order to make America the country it is today, the colonies truly leaned in to the exploitation of human bodies in order to do that. Working a human body on a plantation for free in exchange for letting them live in a country is straight up exploitation. It runs dangerously similar to the system of slavery itself. What stood out to me in Dictionary.com's definition of an indentured servant is that some were kidnapped and brought to the colonies against their will because of this headright system. Many were poor. Many were escaping persecution. The indentured servant system is created by exploiting the most vulnerable at the worst times in their lives. And I think that in experiencing this system, it had a profound effect on the 16-year-old Nell. There is not a lot of information on Charles Calvert, the third Lord Baltimore. However, what we do know is that he obviously had a very privileged background. The Maryland State Archives described his family life as, end quote, the privileged life of an English noble, end quote. His parents were Cecil Calvert and Anne Arundel, who were very strong Roman Catholics, and they, along with their son Charles, experienced intense religious conflicts between Protestants and Catholics during the Civil Wars in England. Charles Calvert was sent to Maryland in 1661 at the age of 24 to replace his uncle as deputy governor. He was married about four times in his life and was said to have about two children. The Maryland State Archives claim that Charles expanded both the population and economy, established several new counties, built courthouses, jails, and roads, and enhanced the colony's defenses by building spaces where gunpowder could be stored. However, like most enslavers, he perpetuated the systems of inequality and white supremacy and cruelty. 
Under his administration, he restricted voting only to men who owned property that was worth at least 40 pounds because he didn't want less wealthy settlers opposing his oppressive government. In addition, only men who owned 1,000 acres of land or more could serve as a delegate in government. He also ensured that Catholics outnumbered the Protestants in any forms of government. But even more so than that, he officially codified slavery in the colony, enforcing that the enslaved must serve and obey their masters, and that children born of an enslaved mother would be a slave for life. And since I mentioned before that the system of an indentured servant was one of exploitation and he instituted the slave for life laws, one can only imagine what both Nell and the enslaved had to suffer under his rule. We do know that on the plantation, Nell washed and ironed clothes, cooked meals, and performed the duties of a midwife. Though there is not much information on how they met, the same year she arrived to Maryland, she met and fell in love with Charles Butler, or Negro Charles, as he was called on the plantation. He was enslaved by Major William Borman. History believes that Charles was about 24 years old when he met the 16-year-old Nell. As detailed by Jenny.com, a website dedicated to tracking ancestry, Major William Borman arrived in Maryland around 1645. Lord Baltimore had granted him about 30 tracts of land, which is about 17,000 acres of land, between 1650 and 1699 because his role in the colony was to serve as an officer in the provincial militia. He also held the title of High Sheriff and served as a delegate to the Lower House Assembly. Because of the great love that Nell had for Charles, she told the Lord Baltimore that she intended to marry him. And that conversation went as well as you can expect. The Lord Baltimore was said to be distressed by this announcement, as it was under his administration that enacted the 1664 law, which stipulated that when a freeborn woman married someone who was enslaved, she too would become a slave for life, as well as any children born under their marriage. According to William G. Thomas III in the Lapham's Quarterly, at this time, the government believed that interracial marriages were, in quote, shameful matches, end quote. And this law was instituted to govern and penalize white women's bodies to not be, in quote, forgetful of their freedom condition and to the disgrace of our nation do intermarry with Negro slaves, end quote. But Nell was neither forgetful and her love could not be controlled by the state. Nell set a date, determined to marry the man that she loved. On the day of her wedding in 1681, Lord Baltimore admonished her that if she went through with this marriage, that she and her children would be damned to slavery and, in quote, what a pity so likely a young girl as you are should fling herself away to marry a Negro, end quote. And as a side note, the thing that stuck out to me is that Lord Baltimore is essentially telling on himself. He is warning Nell not to marry someone enslaved, a practice he codified and engages in, because essentially he is confirming that slavery is bad. It's harsh conditions. So when people dismiss this time period as, that's just how it was back then, they didn't know it was wrong to do... Here we have an enslaver who himself legalized slavery, had a massive plantation, and cruelly enforced this system of oppression, warning Nell against said system. Like slavery was bad or something. Because why would he warn her against it if it was good? 
But like most badass women that cannot be controlled, Nell responded to Lord Baltimore with that she would, in quote, rather marry the Negro under these circumstances than marry his lordship with his country, end quote. Now, I thought a lot about that response and what she could be saying outside of the literal meaning. Meredith Newman of the Capital Gazette interpreted her words to mean that she was directly telling the Lord Baltimore, in quote, that she would rather go to bed with Charles than with Lord Baltimore, end quote. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we knew that female indentured servants were particularly vulnerable to their overseers who often subjected them to sexual violence. So is this declaration that Nell is making an insight into the relationship she had with Lord Baltimore? Did he subject her to sexual harassment and violence? Was this something that she was expecting to happen because this type of behavior was commonplace in her surroundings? We do not know. There is not any information of the relationship Nell had with Lord Baltimore outside of this interaction. But in her position of vulnerability, it really is amazing to watch a 16-year-old speak truth to power knowing that there would be consequences. It was just an epic response. And on that day, on Major Borman's plantation, in front of dozens of friends and family in a Catholic ceremony, Nell and Charles officially became husband and wife, at a time when the enslaved were forbidden to marry and interracial marriages were illegal, this epic couple took the brave step to choose each other. They chose love for each other over the consequences of what being together would mean for them. and there were consequences. Upon their union, Nell Butler lived out the rest of her life enslaved to Major William Borman. As we know slave owners to be vile and cruel, Lord Baltimore asked the legislature to exempt the new couple from the penalties of the 1664 law, not because it was wrong and he had a conscience or anything like that, but because it would incentivize slave owners to force their white indentured servants into marriages with the enslaved, increasing their slave labor as the entire family would be enslaved under them. So in 1681, as reported by William G. Thomas III of the Lampans Quarterly, the legislature repealed the law because the law, according to them, caused, end quote, the instigation, procurement, or connivance, end quote, of the slave owners and exacerbated, end quote, the lascivious and lustful desires, end quote, of white women. So with the repeal of the law, white women and their children would remain free. However, to ensure interracial marriages, which actually were very common at this time despite the laws, were fully stamped out, the legislature at the prodding of Lord Baltimore instituted a fine of 10,000 pounds of tobacco if any interracial marriages were found on their plantations. Unfortunately, as the law was not retroactive, Nell and Charles Butler would be enslaved for life. But that did not stop this couple from being together. The Butlers were said to have had about seven or eight children who did unfortunately suffer enslavement as well, even though they were born after the repeal of the 1664 Act. But this epic family didn't let that be the end of their story. Jack Butler, Nell and Charles's oldest son, successfully fled and escaped slavery and then later purchased his freedom from the Borman family. In 1770, William and Mary Butler, the grandchildren of this epic couple, who were cousins and married to each other, successfully sued the colony of Maryland for their freedom as they could both claim to be descendants of Nell. 
The legal argument they made, according to William G. Thomas III of the Lampins Quarterly, is that Nell was never charged and convicted in a court of law for marrying an enslaved man. Therefore, none of her descendants could be enslaved as well. As the Butler family was said to have grown at this time to about 120 family members, by October 1791, the Butler family was said to have won every lawsuit for their freedom that they brought before the courts. This set a precedent for hundreds of other enslaved people in the colony. So I ask all of you listening out there, especially my millennials, how far would you go to be with the person you truly loved? Thanks for joining this episode of Millennial Edition. Happy Valentine's Month and happy Black History Month. Go out there and spread love. And I look forward to engaging with you all soon.